episode 43, chapter 2 of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Chris Lambert. And I'm Josh Havens. And we're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us and hope that as you set aside this time for God, that He would help you grow today in the everyday moments of life. And today, we're talking to Jenny Abel, co-author of Shaped by Suffering. Jenny Abel is an editor and writer for Reflections Ministries and Omnibus Media Ministries. She's co-authored the book, A Guide to Practicing God's Presence, as well as the book, Shaped by Suffering with Kenneth Boa. She has over 15 years of experience in editing, writing, and communications. She currently lives in Charlottesville, Virginia. Our perspective is usually limited to our immediate environment. We know and feel only what we experience. And when it comes to suffering, our perspective is clouded and limited even more. It's incredibly difficult to feel and know anything beyond the pain we feel at the moment, whether it's the loss of a friend, the pain of betrayal, or the ache of an unfulfilled desire to have children. But could it be that God is working on us in the middle of our suffering, even when we can't feel or sense it? In this first part of our conversation with Jenny, she unpacks the importance of finding eternal perspective in the middle of our suffering. Whether you're suffering or helping someone who is suffering, Jenny introduces a few things to keep in mind as you walk through painful and difficult seasons. Jenny, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, really excited to talk with you today about um, the book that you co-authored, Shaped by Suffering, How Temporary Hardships Prepare Us for Our Eternal Home. A really important book for uh, today's day and age, um, just because suffering is all around us, and so to varying degrees, and it's it's one that we have to change with the shifting landscape today. And so uh, before we get into all of that, though, let's start with, um, why did you guys write this book? Yes, well... Um Ken Boa, my, um, the primary author on this, um, he has uh, multiple weekly studies, and a lot of those studies, he goes through different books of the Bible, and then out of those teachings come some of his books that he's done. Um, last book, Life in the Presence of God, came out of that, and then um, this particular one came out of a teaching on the book of First Peter that he did a couple years ago. Um, and interestingly, he didn't actually set out to write a book on suffering. He kind of realized along the way that this was a theme throughout the book of First Peter. Um, it's often referred to as the Job of the New Testament. So, so yeah, he along the way realized that this was really going to emerge into a book on suffering. Um, but it's really not. Um, there's so many different books on suffering out there, and this isn't really just a book on how to cope. Um, it's not really, it's not a, a theodicy. It's not um, intended to defend, you know, God in the face of suffering. Um, but it's really intended to talk about how do we respond to suffering? How do we think about it and view it in our lives? If it is an inevitable um, as believers, um, how are we to see suffering and how do we help others who are suffering? Um, and this actually is the third book in um, what he calls his eternal perspective trilogy. Um, so the first one is rewriting your broken story. The second one is life in the presence of God. And um, the third one focuses in on um, suffering as one of the main challenges to our perspective um, and maintaining an eternal perspective. And um, really the thesis is, is that only an eternal perspective can sustain us um, when we're in the midst of trials. Um, as far as my role, I have been working with Ken for about, uh, I guess, seven years now. and um, 
initially he actually asked me to edit the book and then um, as we were working on it realized that I was bringing my own ideas and experiences to it and so it became a co-authorship um, and you know I, I added some different parts to it that he may not have been able to add and vice versa so that's how yep. the book came to be. Cool. And uh, you mentioned that this book was part of a trilogy. You do not have to have read the first two books to um, get started with this one. So if anybody's listening and, uh, you know, they're kind of uh, OCD like I am and feel like you can't start in on the third book, that's not it's not this kind of a trilogy. <laughs> you were the guy who read Paralandra before out of the silent planet, though. So, yeah, but that's only because you forced me to. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. <laughs> It's an unofficial trilogy. Um, it's not been marketed as an official trilogy, but um, all of them are themed around an eternal perspective. And I would say you can read them in any particular order. So um, feel free to pick up the other, other two after you pick up this one. Can you elaborate? What, what do you mean by an eternal perspective? Because I think that'll kind of get into kind of the purpose in, in why you guys were writing and uh, maybe who you were writing it for. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, Ken uses this, phrase a lot. And I think what it really means is perspective from God's point of view um, and a view that keeps eternity in sight and in mind at all times. Um, I think often we have this short-sighted perspective of what's happening to me tomorrow, the next day, or even the rest of my life. And this is keeping, you know, the eternal values, the eternal purposes of God in mind. Yeah, that's and, and that's a very important perspective for us to uh, uh, to to develop because I mean it shapes everything. Like without your perspective of what the end of the road looks like, um, it, it, you know, looking back, it ends up shaping everything. And I remember I didn't really have that perspective myself, um, other than I, I guess we, you know, most of us Christians, we all have so, some sort of a sense that we're going to go to heaven when we die, or you know, after Jesus returns, if if and when that ever happens and all that, you know, you sort of like when you're growing up, that's sort of a vague idea. But I had a professor at seminary really challenge me with that idea to say, no, 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 look at what your actual belief is about what the end times look like and what what happens when Christ returns looks like and how that ends up shaping the rest of your life. Because what you view as salvation in the end sort of ends up shaping how you view salvation for what Christ accomplished and then how we run this race with endurance and it sort of shapes everything and that that goal that we're looking towards and so it's a very important perspective um, to consider. I can't remember who said it but the the term you know defining your life backwards and basically you know you take that that end goal of I, I want to be in heaven I want to be in fellowship with Christ um, but what does that mean for the here and now so it's kind of looking at that and then dialing back and saying, what am I supposed to be doing here and now? Yeah. So as it, as it relates to suffering, then I guess let, let's talk about that. What does that mean for the, uh, for the here and now? If ultimately we're going to be redeemed from our suffering or, you know, we're, we're going to be, uh, that's going to be eliminated. Why is suffering such an issue for us now? Yeah, I think, um, just if you don't mind me jumping in, I'm going to jump into my own story just because it, I think it helps a little bit with um, answering that question. And Please. Personally, um, I, I grew up um, in the faith for the most part. I will say I probably came to a decision in um, following Christ at around the age of 13, but I really grew up as a Christian. And so I, I had a foundation um, building, and throughout my 20s, I, I really I felt strong in my faith. 
Um, but then late in my 20s, um, my husband and I started trying to have children and we basically, we went through 11 years of infertility that kind of spiraled me into this difficult time that felt like it had no end. Um, and for me, it was, it jarred me out of, first of all, the, the world of ideas and, you know, you can philosophize all day long about suffering, but then when you're in it, um, it's, it's a whole different story. And so you're, you're asking the questions about, I think for me, it was, you know, my eternal hope. Is that really where my hope is? Because when, when, when you face something really difficult, whether it's something sudden that happens to you or something that's chronic that keeps going on and on, or maybe you've even been born with something that is a difficulty. Um, I think you're, you kind of meet with this, the crux of what is my life about? Why am I here? Uh, what am I living for? Um, is my vision for my life, you know, am I pursuing that or am I pursuing God's vision for my life? And so I think, I think I came to, to realize that my, uh, my own perspective of my life was limited and it was very kind of me centered. And I think the going through infertility was something, it, it didn't really matter. I don't think what the trial was. And that's one of the, um, points in our book is that it's not so much the nature of your suffering as your response to it that matters but for me that was what called me out of myself and to really seek um, and cherish um, Jesus Christ more than anything else um, and to kind of look at this eternal view in mind rather than this is what I want my life to be like right now or this is what you know would give me the most comfort right now and I think that's that's hard because we want life to work out right here and now and um but it doesn't always so mm -hmm. yeah see that's such a great point though that you bring up about um your suffering is isn't just uh how, how should i say this suffering isn't just necessarily one thing i do want to ask you what what are we talking about when we when we use the word suffering but you because you just alluded to it and you're talking about you know your suffering isn't greater or lesser than anybody else's suffering. I mean, we all we all experience it to various degrees. And so, um, you know, you, you tell some horrific stories in the book where, of people that have gone through things I can't imagine um, ha having gone through and, 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 I mean, even the pain of infertility. And so it's uh, – but we, we shouldn't be measuring different levels of suffering because that's not really what the purpose of that is. The purpose of the suffering, which, like you're talking about, is is those events that call us, I like how you said it, out of ourselves um, and into God. So can you describe to us a little bit more specifically, though, it's like, what are we talking about when we when we say sufferings? Is this like hardships in general? Is it is it persecutions? And um, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, the book of First Peter in the first um, chapter speaks of various trials and um, really, obviously, the book of First Peter was written in the context of coming persecution, really already persecution was there, but it was going to be in increasing under um, Nero. And so Peter is writing it out of that context, but he also alludes to these various trials. And so it wasn't just persecution, although that was part of it, um, but I we can only imagine i mean it was probably all the kinds of things that we deal with now you know disease or sickness or um you know whether that's mental illness or physical illness and i'm sure lots of other you know physical needs back then and so um when we're talking about suffering in this book and i think it's in our either preface or introduction we we do specify we're talking really about any kind of suffering hardship pain there's so many different synonyms and those 
those different words are, are used throughout the Bible as well. Um, we don't really get super specific, except the, the only point I would say is that First Peter does um, single out, you know, suffering that is a direct result of sin. Like, um, and, and this is this gets a little bit um, nuanced because some suffering is it's a result of multiple different factors. So you know you you might have contributed to the suffering, but there might be other factors as well that are contributing. Um, and so actually, Ken and I wrestled through this a little bit, and and really we we write in the book that there's a lot of mystery behind some suffering, and so you can't necessarily say you know this is only suffering that is not caused by our own sin, but for the most part, we're not talking about the, that kind of sin um, in the book. There's several verses in First Peter that that allude to, you know, it's it's better. Like for instance, First uh, Peter two twenty, um, you know, for what credit is there if when you sin and you're harshly treated, you endure it with patience, um, and then later make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer or a thief or evildoer or a troublesome meddler. So you know. The suffering as a Christian, as Peter puts it, I think it's broad and it can allude to any any type of pain or difficulty difficulty in your life. And that could be something that, that is unwanted or it could be something that you want. As in my case, you know, it was something that I wanted that I didn't have, um, a lack or a unfulfilled dream or longing. So mm-hmm. it's a long answer, but... <laughs> No, it's it's a great one too because it it really it really shows that no matter what the reason for the suffering is, is if you're being persecuted, for, um, you know, for your faith in Christ, or if you're dealing with the pain of infertility or the loss of a loved one, the common denominator in all of these forms of suffering is a result of sin. Sin is ultimately at the heart of why all of these things happen. Now, you, you know, and you guys talk about it in the book, you know. Some of them are maybe motivated by specific sins, but we're talking about like the big capital S sin that is at the root of all of these things. And so um, because of that, suffering becomes inevitable. And so if suffering is inevitable, we have to figure out how we go about living this life following Christ um, with that perspective that sin is going to be part of our life. Two of the biggest reasons suffering feels so unbearable is that we are made to feel alone and that this pain doesn't have a purpose. We feel abandoned and without purpose. But to develop an eternal perspective when it comes to suffering is to recognize that Jesus walks with us through the trials of life and that he is working even in the midst of our suffering to bring about transformation. We do not suffer alone and it's far from meaningless. So I want to challenge you to develop an eternal perspective when it comes to suffering. Journaling is an excellent practice that can help you see what God is doing in your life, even when it feels like life is nothing but chaos. Journaling will help you sort through thoughts and events so you can more clearly see how God's grace has been present in your life and enabled you to grow, even if slowly, from one day to the next. So whether you are experiencing suffering now or have a trial in the past you can reflect on, I want you to journal about your experience. Start off with a simple description of your circumstances. Then go through the experience and write out how you felt. Try to be as detailed as possible with this part, even recognizing how you feel physically as each emotion of sadness, regret, anger, and loneliness come up. Then I want you to look for God in each moment where your emotions were the most intense. What was he doing? What was he saying to you? 
How did his grace enable you to get through that moment? There may be moments when it feels like you can't find him, and that's okay. Write that down and continue through the exercise, asking God to reveal himself to you. God's work isn't always obvious to us, but as we develop faith to trust him, we develop eyes to see him even in our suffering. How can you create a lifestyle of discipleship? Most Christians think discipleship is a program or a few practices thrown in at the beginning or end of the day. But we want to help you create a lifestyle where walking with Jesus throughout the day is not only possible, but natural. And we have a tool that's going to help you do just that. It's called the Daily Growth Journal. It's a guided journal that's going to help you become secure in your identity with God and authentically walk with Him in your daily life. Growing daily in your walk with Christ is possible if you cultivate a lifestyle of discipleship. And the Daily Growth Journal will help you do just that. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. To find out more about Jenny's work with Ken Boa, check out kenboa.org. Then check out the next chapter in our conversation, where Jenny tells her story of being shaped by suffering and the transformation that came out of it. If you want to step to date on everything happening at Daily Growth Discipleship, go to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Spotify.